We want to thank you for tuning in to the Indian Run Christian Church podcast with Pastor Terry Bailey. This podcast can be found on iTunes by searching for Terry Bailey Ministries. Right now, let's get to Pastor Terry's insightful message. As I continue on this uh, course that I've set out preaching toward our celebration of the resurrection, let me review again where I've been. I know that each week my review gets a little bit longer, but uh, I'll make it as brief as I can. I began with what I consider to be five non-negotiable points communicated in the first letter that John wrote. Two of them, very quickly, are about us. Number one, we must all confess that we have sin. The one who says he has no sin is calling God a liar, which is probably not a good idea in case you didn't catch that. Number two, if something is being done about that, it must be true that we are growing in a capacity for love because God is love. And the one who does not love does not even know God. And then the three things that I'm concentrating on, the three things John says we must believe about Jesus Christ. Number one, he is the eternal Son of God who was in heaven always and who was sent from there here. Number two, he was sent here to become the Christ, the Messiah, the one who fulfills all of the promises and really all of the prophecies as well. And number three, when he was sent from heaven to here as the Messiah, he came in the flesh. The limitless spiritual Son of God surrounded himself in closed himself in a body like ours. It is a profound mystery, but John says that only the spirit of Antichrist would deny that Jesus came in the flesh and that only by the Holy Spirit of God can we internalize this truth. And I ask why these things should be such a big deal. Why should it be so necessary that we can brook no disagreement on these points when there is room for disagreement on so many things? But this, this, we must hold in common. And I have begun examining the consequences of these three things being true about Jesus Christ. First, since He is the eternal Son of God, present with God always, co-creator with God of all things that have been created, fully sharing in the mind, the plans, and the will of God. And since, in order to fulfill the promises, He took on flesh, then He reveals God to us in a way that we could never have seen otherwise. In God taking on flesh, The heart of God, the will of God, the truth about God is made more plain to us than in any other way I could conceive. He came down and lived amongst us in flesh as we are in flesh. And when you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. 
Because these three things are true about Jesus Christ, He reveals to us the God from whom we have been so long separated. Second, because He is the eternal Son of God and because in order to fulfill the promises He came here in the flesh, He shows us what we should have been, what we could yet be if only we will trust Him because He lives as the perfect model of human values and behavior. What we would be were we not broken and ruined by sin. And high on my list of precious promises given in Scripture is this, that we will be like Him. Through the transforming power and ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, we will be conformed to the image, the mind, the heart of Jesus Christ. And He has shown us what that looks like. But these things are only true if the three things that John has told us we must believe about Jesus Christ are also true. And now I will give you a third thing that is true if those three non-negotiables about Christ are true. And I had Charlie read from Hebrews 4. He read verses 14, 15, and 16. To really understand these verses, you have to back up a couple more verses and catch the context. Now what it says just before, it talks about Jesus being our perfect and sympathetic high priest is this. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it pierces. Pierces who? Pierces us! Right down to the marrow of our bones and judges our thoughts and intentions. God sees you clean to the core. And He knows every single thing that you think and you do. This is often a slightly discomforting thought. I, I, I come more and more both to appreciate and to struggle with sacred music because I find there's good sacred music and less good sacred music and the difference is important when we have songs and hymns and psalms. The point is that we are trying to phrase and internalize important truths And setting them to rhyme in music has the power to both clarify and to drive into our hearts what is contained there. So it's important. It's important what songs we sing. In Tennessee, and I loved almost all of the songs, 
that we learned to sing in Tennessee, though so many of them were unfamiliar to me from my youth. I came to love that music. But there was a song that I could just never quite reconcile myself to, and I will share with you the lyrics of that song, the first verse and chorus only. It goes like this. All along the road to the soul's true abode, there is an eye watching you. Every step that you take, this great eye is awake. There's an eye watching you. Watching you! Still quoting the song. Watching you! Every day, mind the course you pursue. There's an all-seeing eye watching Now, I realize I presented this a certain way, but how many of you find that at least a little bit creepy? I'm just, (laughs) I'm just saying, and I'm not, I'm not saying that it isn't true at core. I believe that God is all seeing and all knowing. I don't object to that, but I think the tone of the song is not quite where it needs to be. We sang a very close version of this same truth with a little bit different tone when I was a child in children's church. Many of you will know this. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say, what you say, right? Be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mouth, what you say. And then it's be careful, little ears, be careful, little eyes, be careful, little feet, lots of verses. Same truth, a little closer to presenting it the right way. But I've come to conclude that that's still not quite where we need to be with this concept. But there is a song, there is one, what I think is the best song on this theme that I have ever heard, that casts this the right way. So let me share this one with you. All the bitter, weary ways, endless striving day by day, You barely have the strength to pray in the valley low. How hard your fight has been. How deep the pain within wounds that no one else has seen hurts. Too much to show. All the doubts you're standing in between. And all the weight that brings you to your knees. He knows. He knows. Every hurt and every sting. He has walked the suffering. He knows. Let your burdens come undone. Lift your eyes up to the one who knows. Same truth. 
better understanding of its import. Because the fact is not that God is an intrusive spy, a voyeur, or a great cosmic hall monitor waiting to pounce on you and from whom your mistakes cannot be hidden. That is not the point. Returning to 1 John, John said, If your heart condemns you, know this, God is greater than your heart, and He knows all things. Yes, He sees it all, the sparrow that falls to the ground, the word that is in your mind before it comes out your mouth. Yes, He sees it all. He knows all. But His determination is not to condemn us. His determination is to save us, redeem us, transform us, And to that end, it is good that God knows everything and makes this covenant with us with His eyes wide open. There will never be some late emerging secret that will void the covenant. Because God knew everything about you when He loved you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, from heaven to earth to be the Messiah, the fulfillment of all the promises. And then that makes us ready for the third thing from 1 John and the next point in Hebrews 4. Jesus came in the flesh. And because He is God, He knows all. And because he came as a man, he is a sympathetic high priest. Now let's consider this for a moment by backing up and understanding the context of the high priesthood, which if you read the whole broader discussion throughout the book of Hebrews, we are told the high priesthood of the Old Testament is a prophetic shadow of what is really going to be important and is going to be fully shown us in Jesus Christ. Those men from Aaron forward were pale prophetic shadows, and Jesus Christ is the substance and the reality, which is true with so much of the Old Covenant, but it's true about the high priesthood. What was the calling of those high priests? They were the men who interceded with God for the rest of us. They took the weight of our sins with which they sympathized because they were sinful men like you and I are sinful men. But they had in themselves no power to do anything about it. So they took it after much ritual purification to the presence of God in the Holy of Holies because God had the power to do something about it. 
So understand that you have two different things happening here. The priest has sympathy, but not power. And at least from our limited perspective, it is entirely possible for us to think, well, God has the power, but not the sympathy. We think this for fairly good reasons. How many of you would agree with me when I say that God does not grow weary? I believe that because the Bible says it about Him. How many of you grow weary? Well, if God does not grow weary, and you do grow weary... From whence flows any sympathy? How many of you believe this about God? His word goes forth from him and does not return to him void without accomplishing the purpose for which he sent it. I believe that also because the Bible says it about God. How many of you have had this experience? My proposed plans sometimes fall flat. (laughs) Well, if God's plans never fail... And mine so often do. Whence flows the sympathy. I understand he has the power. Well, in the Old Testament, sympathy was held by the high priest. And the power was held by God. In Jesus Christ... Two things are combined because he is the eternally existent Son of God. And when he came to fulfill the promises and prophecies, he took on flesh, a real body like mine. And he who had been formerly changeless began to change, growing from an infant. To a man, he who had been formerly tireless experienced exhaustion. And so when you're tired, he understands. And let me tell you this I don't think I've been tired yet like he got tired in the course of his ministry. And when you experience physical pain and distress, he understands. And I will tell you again that I have not been called upon to experience anything like the physical pain and distress that he experienced. Nothing remotely approaching it. And how many of you have ever felt that you were just banging your head against the wall and making no progress in getting anyone to understand what you were talking about. Been there? Read the Gospels again and tell me that you don't think Jesus felt this way sometimes. Anybody here ever feel betrayed? You know Jesus' picture could appear in the dictionary beneath the word betrayed. How many of us have ever felt less than fully appreciated? Well, now, I know that Michael will not raise her hand because I am such an appreciative husband. (laughs) Both, Both hands, really? Okay.
If anybody has ever been less than fully appreciated, it was Jesus Christ in the time that he walked amongst us in flesh. You see, anything that we go through, he understands. Even death, which is the central terror for all mankind. And he submitted himself to undergo death. There is only the one difference, really, and it is this. He was, Hebrews says, tested in every way as we are tested and yet without sin. He faced every test that we face, but where we failed, he succeeded because he is God. Back up one one thing, I, I can't, I can't pick on Scott because he was in the eight o'clock service. Scott's probably the only person in the congregation who's been to more funerals than I have. But, uh, I, I, I've been to a number of funerals and a, at least a half a dozen times in my life I have seen a scene that was something like this. A 15 year old saying to a man of 70 who is burying his wife or one of his children, I know how you feel. And I'm like, no, you don't yet. But he knows how you feel. Because he is the eternally existent Son of God, he has the power. Because He came in the flesh. He has the sympathy. And because he passed the test that we so routinely fail, he has the qualification to become our perfect, both high priest and sacrifice. But these things are not true if the non-negotiables from First John are not first true. And there is still more to be said on this, and I will say it as we move through the very small time left now before Resurrection Sunday. But today, if what you need is to have the heart of the Father revealed to you, if what you need is to see clearly what you can be, will be, if you will only trust Him, if what you need is to understand that he is your fully sympathetic high priest. He knows all about you and is determined to bring you relief and salvation. If these things are your need, 
Would you come? We want to take a moment to thank all of you, our faithful listeners, for setting aside time each week for the Indian Run Christian Church podcast. You can find out more about the church by visiting our website at www.christforeastcanton.com. That's www.christforeastcanton, all one word, dot com. On behalf of Pastor Terry and all the folks at Indian Run Christian Church, I pray God's blessing on you and your family.